0: What's the worst part about breaking four tackles and running into the end zone for the game-winning touchdown? Not having your wayfarer still with you to protect your eyes from all the flashbulbs. Sounders, keep your shades anchored and where they belong during life's greatest feats. Head to soundergoods.com and use promo code KTTC to get 10% off and free shipping with any order.
1: You're listening to the Keef to the
0: City Podcast. Here's Neil Keith. All right, we're getting closer and closer to the the real, real holiday season with Christmas and New Year's just around the corner. Just a few weeks left in December, and right now the state of New York sports isn't exactly all that great. Um, but the one thing that is going well for New York sports isn't even, you know, one of the prime, uh, one of the real deal teams being the Islanders, who uh, a lot of their fans are claiming are the best team in New York, which which could be the case right now, and that's how screwy things have been. And here to talk about that and uh, check out the state of New York sports across the board is Brian Monzo, the producer on WFAN, for Mike on, Francesca on the fan, and also on Fox Sports 1. Monzo, how's it going today? Hey, Neil, what's going on? Not much. I uh, I wanted to start with the Islanders what? because that's been a hot topic for you, uh, you know, taking calls for, for the show on WFAN and also for your Twitter f- uh, following. And it just seems like things are so messed up right now in the state of New York sports with... The Yankees coming off the back-to-back bad seasons, the Giants and the Jets being a mess, the Mets just being the Mets, the Knicks are awful. So really it's only, you know, you got the Rangers to look forward to. And uh, when it comes to hockey, the Islanders have been even better than them for the first time in, in what feels like our lifetime. Well, I thought you wanted to get into the uh,
1: Yankees' non-tendering sleek heat con.
0: I did want to touch on that, but not till later. Oh, okay.
1: Uh, yeah, it's been a uh, brutal uh, run here for the uh, New York team's uh, with the exception of two of the three uh, hockey teams, and uh, the Knicks and Nets are awful. Despite the Nets beating the, the Spurs by playing, which is unbelievable, but obviously the football teams are an absolute disgrace. But uh, yeah, the Islanders and uh, their very optimistic fans love to uh, run their mouth.
0: <laughs> well, the I mean the thing about the Islanders, and I know they've given you know they gave the Rangers problems in the only game they played, uh, giving up six goals. And it seems like when the Rangers do lose this season, they're losing, you know, they're giving up four, five, six goals, which is very uncharacteristic of how this team's been built over the last few years, and and we'll get to that. But when it comes to the Islanders, I mean, you look at that team and, you know, all the young talent they do have, where they were able to, you know, stack picks for so long. Um, And it it made us, you know, talk last season before Lundquist's extension about the reason why maybe he goes there because of their future and because of that team being on the up and up. And, and now they're finally putting it together, and, and it always seems like the Islanders do have these spurts at the beginning of the year where they give you hope, and aside from two years ago when they made the playoffs and lost to the Penguins, this is really the first time in a long time that those fans have got had anything to get excited about, and I know you always talk about how you don't really hate the Islanders because you know during our life they haven't really you know there's not been much to get excited about so their fans have just gone by the wayside and I feel the same way I think it's more you know hatred for the Devils rather than the Islanders but I, I feel like that hatred is going to start to grow if their fans keep it up
1: and you know that that aspect of it makes it a very good thing because we all know that hockey is number four in this city but I think if the Rangers and the Islanders have a renewed rivalry that extends into the playoffs. Uh, that juice can really take off because, I mean, let's be honest, I know the Devils have their group of fans, but they don't really do much in New York. Um, they don't really have much of a following in New York. So if the Rangers and the Islanders, you know, start up this renewed rivalry, I and mean, whenever they played, even when the Islanders were bad, even when the Rangers were bad, the games themselves were good and the fans were into it. But it wasn't a well-known rivalry throughout the league. Like, you look at the Blues and the Blackhawks and, You know, some of these teams out west that just have these these great rivalries, Uh, the Penguins and the Flyers have become a good rivalry with lots of ugly games and lots of big things. Uh, We haven't had that, at least in my generation, the Rangers and Islanders, one of the bigger rivalries in the, set, you know, the late 70s and the 80s, you know, being so uh, present uh, in in this time. So the Islanders uh, have finally turned turned over the stone and have become a, a really good team. That is really good for the city and the league as far as having two good teams, especially with the Islanders moving to Brooklyn next season. Uh, but the one thing I can't take, and look, I, I, I try not to be a touting Ranger fan. Uh, you know, I'm always optimistic, but I, I try not to be too much of a, uh, you know, kind of a, I don't want to say, I don't know if I can use the word, but a D-bag about it. You know, but these Islander fans just running their mouths and calling themselves the best team in New York. You know, after 25 games here, it's just a little, it's a little tough for me to take. And it's not to it, it's, it's say they're not playing well, because they are. But to tout themselves the best team in New York, looking at all four sports, and look, I know the Giants and Jets are a disaster, and that probably has a lot to do with it, because if the Giants were playing, like, uh, you know, good football, if the Jets were at 500, maybe we wouldn't hear this. But to call up radio stations and say, let's talk about the best team in New York, referring to the Islanders, who have been non-existent for 25 years, it's just, you know, how about letting the play on the ice determine and, and garner them attention? Because all that's doing, in my opinion, is basically founder fans screaming, look at us, we're playing well, begging for attention. And it's ridiculous. Let the play on the ice. People will pay attention if they continue to play well. You know, that's what fans do. When teams are good, they, they check it out. They they, they they will get attention. They will get – their players will be interviewed on WFAN. You know, you'll see good things like this. But to, bay and to say we're well, the best team in New York and to fuck their chest out, it's 25 games is enough to make you want to vomit your shoes that you can't take.
0: (laughs) It sounds like they're almost getting the 12-man Seahawks status for you.
1: It's just, I mean, it's just, and like I said, I've had no ill will towards the Islanders. Uh, I rooted rooted for them to beat the Penguins a couple years ago. Uh, You know, I I want to see that team do well. I think it's good uh, for the city, and I understand the fans can be prideful, but there's also, you know, Ranger fan, I would never, here's what bothers me, and I despise the Knicks, I'm not an NBA guy, as much as, as the Knicks fan can drive you nuts. If the Knicks were 19-6 and six right now, nobody would call up and say, let's talk about the best team in New York. It wouldn't happen. I talked to Evan Roberts about this yesterday, and he seems to uh, not have the same opinion to me, and that's fine, um, but I disagree with him. I, I don't think any other team would do that, because the Knicks are just a, a class, you know, they might have their, their faults, but they're organization—they have higher expectations of being the best team in New York at the 25 games. I don't think the Rangers fan would do that. I don't think even the Devils fan would do that. It's just a little tough for me to take.
0: Well, when it comes to the NHL and like you talked about with uh, with the rivalry and the chance of these two teams meeting in the playoffs, it seems like for all the bad things Gary Bettman's done during his tenure as commissioner, this realignment situation where you know you get the the one seed plays the seven or eight, the wild card teams, and then the two threes match. Um, and and with this state of the Rangers and this era of Rangers hockey, with the Penguins being such a dominant regular season force, maybe not built for the postseason, but it, it seems like you can always pencil them in for you know the top of the Metro, and then you've got the two three spot. They'll always meet in the first round now under the current system. And like last year, we got Rangers Flyers, which was great, you know, seven game series, uh, you know, a little built in rivalry there. And then you've got Rangers Islanders, which is uh, the way things are going right now. And, and certainly things can change throughout the season, but it seems like as long as the Penguins are around, the Rangers will probably be stuck with that two or three spot and it's either going to be you know the islanders the devils the flyers it seems like that that system that playoff system um uh, is really good and it's really good for rivalry situations like that uh granted the realignment of having 14 teams in one conference and 16 in the other isn't exactly the most brilliant thing but when it comes to to Matt meeting you know seven game possible series in the playoffs in that first round it's certainly done done its work so far
1: all right but based after one year that the realignment i think has been a good thing for the league I thought the playoffs were very good last year uh, in both conferences. Uh, I like having Detroit here in the East. I think they're a true Eastern Conference team. Uh, Very disappointed by the play of Columbus this season. I know they have a bazillion injuries, uh, but they had a lot of good expectations. And I like seeing Tampa Bay play well, the Rangers South, as I call them. Um, But, no, I I agree with you. And, and, you know, if if it works out that the Rangers and the Islanders set up for a seven-game series uh, in the playoffs, no matter what round it is, to be honest with you, I think that would be uh, tremendous for the league, and I think the city would really, I think city would really embrace it, and it's good because it would give the Islanders four extra games.
0: <laughs> well, uh, I-, I mentioned it earlier, and that's the fact that when the Rangers seem to lose now, they're losing by giving up four or five, six goals. They're not really losing the close games, um, and-, and most of those losses have come recently. Uh, they've had trouble, obviously, with the Lightning. They lost all three games to them. Um, they They really picked up their points. They got six points this season just against the Flyers, but... It was the Lightning, you know, the team that has become sort of Ranger South, the way that the Blue Jackets became uh, the Rangers of the Midwest. And uh, the the Rangers just don't have their number. They're a terrible matchup for them. It seems Uh, when you give them you know power play opportunities, you're going to pay with the you know the lethal weapons they have on offense, especially from Stamkos. And just Lundqvist hasn't looked right in those games. And and really for the beginning of the season, he hasn't looked right most of the time. And I know he has the four shutouts, but when you take away those and you look at the other games, it's been pretty uh, average or even below average for Lundqvist. And I'll never say a bad thing about him because I understand his importance to the team. And what he's done for them for the last decade, and you know, been the sole reason for any success that they've had over that time. But he has gotten off to what's been now, you know, a quarter of the season, pretty pretty much a shaky start. Oh, uh, he's definitely
1: struggled. But uh, you know, the one difference between you know the Rangers and the Islanders, because I have all these Islanders kind of fans like kind of taunting me, oh, look where we are in the division, look where you are in the division. I have absolutely no. I don't look at this Rangers team. Even after that, that, that brutal loss against the, the Lightning a couple of days ago. I don't look at the Ranger team and say, "Oh, well, they, they suck, man." No, I, I am fully confident. It doesn't matter what seed, in my opinion, they're going to make the playoffs and they're going to be fine. I don't sweat. I know Longquist is going to be fine. He struggles, and he has not looked great this season. He's had some good games here and there. Are obviously, four shutouts is a solid number, um, you know. But the Rangers' offense has looked the bestest look in, in for the most part in, in a couple of years. Derek Broussard, the guy that I haven't, i have involved. I've liked him has really turned the quarter and really looks like he could be a first-line player, if not a very good second-line player. Uh, you know, his confidence with the puck is is where it's never been. You know, even the great Derek Stephon um, has played uh, much better since he's, you know, this season. He looks more confident, you know, playing, you know, seeing as his vision on the ice has been very good. And what can you say about Rick Nash, 16 goals in 24 games, uh, you know, shooting at, you know, what is it, 19% mean, um, I only know this because a bunch of Allen fans felt the need to tell me that. Um, they look good. Uh, you would like to see a little more production out of Chris Kreider, but I, at the end, I think he's fine. St. Louis has been tremendous. Obviously, the defense has struggled and had some injuries with, with McDonough going down, and you know Klein got banged up, and and Girardi's you know always plays, but he's always banged up. Uh, you know, and you got guys like the great Matt Hunwick out there. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not fretting the Rangers. I, I understand it can be frustrating at times, but. You know, they have too many good offensive players right now. And at the end of the day, uh, Lundquist is Lundquist and is going to do his thing when, when the money's on the line. You know, I, I don't fret the Rangers right now. I'm never going to be nervous if they're going to miss the playoffs all
0: this year. Well, with Rick Nash and for myself and yourself and being uh, big fans of wanting him a few years ago when the trade was on the table in uh, February of 2012 and the you know the chance to get him for that playoff push, which they didn't until the summer, um, it sure feels good now to watch him doing what we expected him to do all along and, and you know, score and lead the league or be at the top of the league in scoring. Um, it feels like we can finally be justified with our, uh, our willingness this to get rid of half the team or the entire farm system a few years ago?
1: Well, a first season in New York is always difficult, you know, for any player. Uh, he played well his first season in the shortened lockout season. He, You know, he scored over, I think, was, I think it was 21 goals, something like that. You know, he struggled in the playoffs. He's always in battling injuries, had concussions, you know. So I think what we're seeing is a Rick Nash who came into the season healthy, motivated, fired up after a, a, a tough, uh, playoff last year, even though we said a million times, he did a lot of good things, but he didn't score. Obviously, if he had scored a couple goals, you know, maybe they would have won the family cup. So I think you're seeing a Rick Nash who's healthy and, and he wants to win, and he's embracing the opportunity to be one of the best players on the team and one of the best players in the league. And he's certainly done that so far. And, he, you know, he hasn't had, you know, many quiet games. He's shooting the puck pretty much every time he gets the opportunity. And when you're a natural goal scorer, know even if we don't have the greatest opportunity to, sh- to score, Your shot is always better than somebody else's. And he's doing that a lot this year. Uh, You know, he looks good on the power play. He looks confident with the puck. And he's got good players around him, finally. You know, Martin St. Luis played well with him. Stepoff played well with him when he's had the chance. Zuccarello's played well with him. Crider's played well with him. So anybody you put with him has played well and has accelerated their game. So uh, I just think you're seeing a healthy Rick Nash play for the first time in almost two years. And it's paying dividends.
0: The thing with Nash, and the time I mention uh, his incredible scoring pace this season or what he's done through the first quarter of the season, everyone, you know, or at least all the critics or the non Rangers fans will tell you, oh, it only matters what happens with Rick Nash when it comes to the playoffs. And ultimately, he'll be judged on what happens in the postseason the way that Lundquist is, the way that, you know, Crosby is, or any player, any face of a franchise, any, you know, star elite player is. And I guess that's fair because of what he's done the last two postseasons, but without him they're not gonna even make the playoffs. So I feel like it's a little different when it comes to Rick Nash and he he is a, a very streaky goal scorer and it wouldn't surprise me, you know, if he goes into a rut now for the next month or month and a half because of his incredible output so far. But um I, I know that, you know, when it comes April, May, June, that's when people really, you know, take a look at what he's doing and, and if he's producing then. So I can only hope, I really hope and pray that he doesn't let up and when he gets to that point, he continues to do what he's done.
1: Oh, I agree with you. And he's going to go He's going to go through a phase where he doesn't score, you know, he scores two goals in 15 games. You know, but honestly, as long as the rest of the team plays well, you know, things like that, you know, aren't, you know, that brutal. You know, as long as, you know, having things a few in then. Or, Step on things a few in there, or Dominic Moore could score occasionally. You know things like that kind of will go unnoticed. Now, if the team goes into an entire rut and nobody's scoring, um, you know obviously, obviously it's a problem. But I, I like you said, it, a lot of people are going to judge him on what he does come the playoffs. And I honestly think he's, he, as long as he stays healthy, he doesn't get banged up, I think we'll have a much better playoff. I'll be fully confident that Rick Nash will be a, a
0: playoff force this year. Uh if he's helped you going into the playoffs. When free agency came uh, in the off season and I, I really just didn't want them to sign any of the people that were out there. you know, except for the guys they did, you know, they made deals with more, they got Zuccarello back. Um they they kept the guys they should have kept. I was totally against that Girardi extension last season. Um but, you know, when it came to Puglia and Boyle and Strawman. I didn't care if they re-signed any of them. I really didn't want them to. And now you look back at, you know, the first quarter of the season. um, What do you think of, you know, this Rangers team without those guys? And do you think it's really made that much of a difference with not having them? Uh,
1: No, Pooley signing, uh, not signing him didn't bother me. Um, You know, I'm a Brian Boyle guy. You know, I know he has his limitations, but I I definitely think, uh, I think they miss, I don't think they miss Callahan. Uh, that much, but I think they missed Strawman, and I think they missed Boyle. I I think those were two guys that ate a lot of minutes, did a lot of things, that uh, a lot of players aren't accustomed to doing. I mean, I know, but the difference is with Boyle, I think they could have fit him in with a a reasonable contract, although it seemed as though he was eager to go play with Ryan Callahan in Tampa, so there's nothing you could do about that. And look, Anton Strawman has been very good in Tampa. He's become kind of an offensive-type defenseman. He's a big minutes eater, and the Rangers could obviously use something like that. And they kind of created him into what he is. I mean, he is now a very formidable defenseman. But I don't think the Rangers could have signed him with that contract. I don't think anybody could have, except for the Lightning. So as much as the Rangers I think do miss Anton Strawman, I don't think I mean I don't think they did a bad job by not signing him because he's getting four and a half million dollars a year. And I don't think the range could have afforded that.
0: The only thing I guess you could say about uh, Vigneault so far this season is his, uh, you know, inability to keep that, you know, that fourth line together. And he keeps shuffling the lines. And while some have seemed set for the last couple games or so, it's a fourth line that he continues to, you know, mess with. And when he said, you know, that Anthony Duclair to stay on this team had to be a top nine guy, which didn't hold true because he's been a top nine guy. He's been on the fourth line. He's been in the press box a bunch. Um, it just seems like, granted, he's been out a few games now with t- uh, Tanner Glass being out. I was against that signing from the get go, and I think his play through the first quarter of the season only proved that you know that much more. You know, where do you stand on Tanner Glass continuing when he's healthy to get in the lineup to get these fourth line minutes, which could be going to someone who actually holds value to this this franchise now and in the future, and could be you know getting valuable time playing in the NHL rather than a guy who we already know what he is. And that's basically one of the worst even strength players in the entire league. Well, I think it's a guy you sign because he, you know, he has a history of being physical and, you know, killing
1: penalties occasionally. But yeah, I mean, but yeah, I mean, look, you look at the positive. He's not getting a ton of money. Um, I know it's a, couple, a multi-year deal. Um, you know, if you have to eat that money, then, then you will. But I, I, I guess I, I agree with you in that aspect. You'd like to see somebody else getting, you know, getting in there. I've liked what I've seen from JT Miller since he's been recalled. I've liked what I, I've never been a Jesper Fast guy. I think the last two or three games he's looked like a different player. Um, you know, maybe building up some confidence playing down in up in Connecticut. Um, so yeah, no, I, I don't disagree that. The, uh, look, it's hard for to judge a signing before we see the the product on the ice. But I, I think what you're seeing is that while it's too hard to say whether it's been a completely bad signing, there's obviously some other options that give you a little more. Uh, then what Tanner Glass is giving me so far,
0: and I think the other part is that Tanner Glass uh, fan club. Their whole reasoning is that when he's in the lineup, you know, you don't have guys who shouldn't be sticking up for their teammates, doing it, and putting themselves in, you know, in the line of fire and having potential injury. You know, if someone takes a run at uh, any player, and you have Rick Nash stepping up and you know, dropping the gloves, obviously that's not a situation you want. And, and Glass sort of makes that possible, but with the way the league's going now, fighting continuing to diminish, and the role of sole tough guy, sole enforcer not being really in the mix, to be a tough guy or an enforcer now, it sort of has to be um, a compliment to the rest of your game, it can't just be the only part of your game, and I feel it like the guys like Tanner Glass are just getting phased out. And it almost seems like a stretch, and and you're trying to live in the past of, of the way the team should be built and the way the team should be playing by having him in the lineup.
1: No, oh, I, I agree. And if you could find a way to keep guys like Fast and Duclair and JT Miller, who are obviously the Rangers uh, view at least at least Fast and 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 Duclair, I still think that JT Miller's future is up in the air. He's had a couple chances. I don't want to say this is his last chance to really stick on the roster, but I. I definitely think that they're looking at him saying, "Look, listen, listen, kid, we know you have talent. You've performed well in the AHL. It's got to translate here. And I think it has these couple games back here. But I think, obviously, what the Ranger fan, and what the Rangers probably want, are guys like Fast and Duclair and Miller in the lineup and them able to trust these guys, you know, with minutes and with opportunity. And I think all their talent levels are much higher than a guy like Tanner Glass, so I, I definitely don't disagree with that. um But at the same time, I, I understand what you're saying earlier about a guy that could stick up for your players. And none of those three guys are, are someone you kind of put in that position. You know, they're called kind of small and skinny and fast. Uh, it's not really uh the build. of Glass, Glass, kind of bulky, and you know, he, he could drop the gloves. But like you said, that that player is almost becoming limited these days uh with, with the lack of fighting and. Uh, and and whatnot. So I definitely, like I said, I definitely understand why you'd want those three players in the lineup over to Nick
0: I think the thing with JT Miller that's weird is, you know, his production at the AHL level is so good. You know, he's basically a point per game player there. And then when he comes up here, whether it's because he's not given the right opportunity, not playing with the right people, uh, his, you know, his credentials being the first round pick and what he's done in the AHL seems to fit in with a guy who should be a, you know, first or second line player. And maybe that's not the fit right now for him because, he hasn't shown enough to you know break the lineup in that sense, and the guys above him you know on the on the ladder are, are so much better than him. But um, it's just a weird case with him, and and I don't know if he's gonna you know end up being one of these quadruple A guys where they're you know too good for the AHL but not good enough for the NHL. And he almost reminds me of you know going back like a decade or so of Jamie Lundmark.
1: Um, I actually have a Jamie Lundmark jersey. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, I, look, I, I think with I think Lundmark's another guy. He got injured early in his career.
1: I'm not sure he ever recovered from that and really turned into the player that uh, you know the Rangers obviously hope for. They traded up to get him in the draft, uh, too. They traded Mark Savard for him um, in, a, in a package. But, um, no, I, I, it's, a, it's a fair comparison. We haven't seen a, a bad J.T. Miller injury yet to really stumped his growth. Um, I think J.T. Miller is a guy that, like any youngster, he's just got to play. You know, I hate when they bring up a guy and they let him play two games and then they put him in the third game, and he kind of struggles, and that's the end of it. You know, then he, he's benched for two games, and he's sent down to the minor leagues. Now, I think he's a guy that you're either going to play him, and you're going to deal with what he is and let him make mistakes, or he's just not going to be on the team. And they kind of did that with Chris Clyder. They put him in. They let him develop. He still has his struggles here and there, but he, he's an everyday player, and he gets good minutes. And I think that's something that has to do with J.T. Miller, because at times – When he's on the ice, he does some really good things. I mean, he's physical. He's not afraid to go into the corner. He can move the puck. He can be patient with the puck. He has a nose to kind of put the puck in the net when given the opportunity. You know, so I I think there's something there, and the Rangers got to figure out what it is and how it can translate to the NHL game.
0: I think the other thing within that's frustrating is, like, when he does score, it seems to be almost in spectacular fashion and I remember going back um, either last year or the year before. He had that you know crazy breakaway move against Rask, and uh, when they played the Bruins. And I remember when he got called up uh, two years ago. He had that you know two goal game against the Devils. And it seems like you know when he is on and when they are giving him the chance to produce, he does it. It just like you said, I don't get why. He comes up for, you know, a couple games and he gets sent back down right away. He comes up for a couple games, gets sent back down. And, and that was sort of exactly what they did with Kreider, where they constantly had him going between Hartford and New York. And it just seems like maybe there's not a fit for him right now because of the way the lineup's made. Um, but when he's on, he is on. And I do think, you know, there, there is something there and he could be a piece of this puzzle. Now, with some of the other young guys who have been given chances and they've sort of been on the, you know, the New York-Hartford shuttle, but to a lesser extent, you've got Dylan McElrath, the defensive side, and, It just seems like I don't know if what the Rangers really have there on the defensive side, and and that could play a role as we get you know into next season, this off season coming up, because of the Mark Stahl situation. Uh, I guess at this rate with McElrath, we should have expected to see a lot more by now.
1: Yeah, I think Dylan mcelrath has been a big disappointment. Now again, another guy who's had some injury issues, you know, but I think he's he's really limited in what he can do. He's not a great skater, you know. He doesn't. He's not an offensive defenseman of any kind. You know, he's kind of that limited defensive role. Five, six defenseman. It's a shame they use the first round pick on him. You know, you take chances in the first round. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It's just you can't really dwell on it. Um, but I definitely think he's a guy that you know they if he if they thought he was good enough, you know, to be in the league, he'd be getting more looks than he is, and he's not getting any. You know, JT Mello, they obviously think there's something there, so they continuously give him opportunity. You know, you barely see McIlrath unless there's some kind of major. Uh, injury issue, and they gotta—they really need to bring somebody up. He's not even getting a look. He's not coming up here, playing six, seven games, getting called down. He's consistently down in, in Hartford. Uh, he's not really, you know, lighting things up there. Uh, I'm pretty confident in saying, and I hope I'm wrong, that I, I don't think Dylan Macaratz, at least in New York, has a real future in the NHL.
0: Like I said, that will come into play, you know, in this off season, going into next season, and and that's certainly the uh, you know the pending free agency of Mark Stahl. Who spent his entire career here, and you know, what's your early forecast of what's going to happen with him, um, depending on whether the money's there, whether they can move some things around? Uh, he's probably going to be looking for you know that Dan Girardi esque deal. Uh, so Mark Stahl is this his final song with the Rangers? I, I think he's going to be back. Um, you know, for a while I didn't. You know, but his game
1: has gotten a little better every game. You know, he's someone you could trust. I know he, I know he had, a, I, I think he had a brutal Stanley Cup final last year. A lot of the defensemen did, but I, I think that had a lot to do with you know, just playing a long season. Uh, So I can't, you know, completely bury him for that. You know, but I'm always partial to guys that have played their entire uh, career with with the Rangers. You know, they drafted him. He's been a a good player for the team. You know, he had that horrific eye injury. He fought back. He had a concussion issue. He fought back to come back and play. Um, You know, so I think, unfortunately for him, you know, he could have been so much better than what he is, but he's still a solid defenseman. You know, he could still make things happen offensively, occasionally. You know, but you need up big minutes. You can traditionally, you know, you can trust him with the puck. You know, so I think, you know, for a while, I thought it would have been a good idea to move him, you know, just for a financial standpoint, and there may be some better options out there. But what you're seeing is that, you know, defensemen are hard to come by, at least quality defensemen. We're talking about guys like McElrath and, and Allen, you know, Hunwick and Kafka, these guys that are kind of bouncing out of the lineup. You know, Stall's a guy that's consistently in the lineup when healthy, and he consistently he's he's, he's good enough that he can play every game, and you can be confident with him back there. It could be a, a top pairing or a second pairing. You know, I think he's kind of earned his way to stay with the Rangers if they if they can fit him in uh, financially, and and, and he, I think he's he's earned a multi year contract, and I'd be very comfortable and confident with him uh, staying back here.
0: I figured we get to the, uh, you know, your favorite part of whenever we talk and that's the, uh, the gambling aspect, the team degenerate stuff that, uh, has seemed to, you know, overtake it Twitter. And every time I look, you know, you're, there's like 50 million picks going on between you and the other people that are involved in that. So I, that's sort of like a relatively new thing.
1: Yeah. It's just something a, a friend of mine, he actually started it and kind of included me in it. Just have had some fun with and, uh. You know, it's not really about gambling. You know, it's more of a a brand as things that we're interested in. Um, we like. Yeah, I know people go out there and make picks and they guarantee wins and you know they 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 make people pay for their picks and so that's not what we're doing. We're just having fun with things that we like. You know, we 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 make plays, we make you know wagers and um, have some fun. You know, gambling's uh, a, 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 a sports gambling, something that. You know, it's getting to be bigger and bigger, and, you know, they're waiting for legalization in certain states. And you saw what uh, Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner, wrote in the New York Times a few weeks ago. You know, it's something that's going to happen. Uh, it's something to have some fun with, something guys can talk about and debate. And it's mostly about debating and, and thinking why teams can cover spreads and why teams won't. And, um, you know, it, 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 we talk. You know, we enjoy fantasy sports. That's a, a form of, of gambling and a, and a way to kind of have some fun with it you know, things that we like wrestling, you know, stuff like that. So it's, it's kind of something that we're hoping picks up on. Um, it's, it's nothing we take too seriously. It's just more about having fun and, and, you know, being like a dude and things that guy, you know, guys like us kind of enjoy uh, handicapping and having fun with picks is one of them. So hopefully it's something that, uh, not only you, but a lot of people pick up on and, and can have some fun with and, you know, create a little record and, uh, you know, have some uh, some fun competition
0: with. Well, I haven't seen a line for it. I'm sure it's somewhere, and I'm sure, you know, one of these sites has it, but that would be the Tom Coughlin situation, and I'd have to say, <laughs> there probably is no line on it, because, you know, him being fired is so heavily favored, but if there was, it'd probably be, like, you know, one of those first-round March Madness matchups, like uh, Duke against, uh, you know, like Central Connecticut, minus, you know, 15,000 or something, but right now, I mean, everything's pointing to the fact that Coughlin's gonna be gone, and Um, I know, you know, you're a Giants guy, I'm a Giants guy, and I'm sort of torn on this because, well, I don't necessarily think, uh, you know, he should be the only one to pay for this, and maybe he will, maybe Jerry Reese will too, but, uh, you know, the amount of injuries, the team that he's sort of been, you know, given to, to play with, and the hand that he's been dealt these last couple years hasn't exactly been great, I do understand that. You know, eleven years coaching this same team—any franchise is, you know, outrageous. Let alone, you know, one of those teams being in New York, um, and that he is the oldest coach in the NFL. So there's a lot, you know, going against him. And the really two things going for him are those two magical Super Bowl runs, which no one will ever forget and no one will take for granted. But. I guess I'm okay if he were to return. It doesn't seem like that's even possible at this point. So um, if he comes back, you know, I'm all for it. If he gets fired, I guess I have to be for it because if you're not going to do it now, when are you going to do it?
1: Hey, look, with any team and any sport, it doesn't matter how successful a coach has been. You know, sometimes it is just need a new voice, a new look of some kind. It doesn't matter what hand they were dealt. And for Coach Coughlin, he's, oh, let's be honest. I mean, we could paint things the way we want it. You know, he's been given a very questionable roster you know so he's been asked to do a lot with a little and for the most part he's gotten a lot out of these players but sometimes things need to change you know i know a lot of people are kind of iffy on eli manning i think when given the right opportunity he's not as naturally talented as guys like aaron Rodgers and his brother Peyton. you know he needs a good situation around him and we see we've seen historically when good situations a good offensive line a good tight end solid wide receivers you know, he can win, and he can win in the big spot. He hasn't been given that. And now some of that's been due to injury. Some of that's been due to, you know, hockey Nicks being injured for a couple of years and then going elsewhere. You know, this year, you know, Beckham didn't even start the season with the team, and we know how good he has been. You know, Victor Cruz gets hurt. The tight end situation has been every year. You had Marcellus Benny, you had Brandon Myers. This year you have Larry Donnell, who's been good, but fumbles the ball in every crucial situation. You know, the offensive line, you know, Eli's getting sacked 12 times a game. Um, so, not all the falls on Eli and Coach, but I think at times, you know, even the best of coaches in this league and any league have been fired or let go or have had to resign. And unfortunately, uh, for Coach Coughlin, as much as I love the guy, and I think he's done a tremendous job here in New York, even in the season they didn't win the Super Bowl, you know, a team needs a different voice. And I think for the New York Giants, uh, that's just the situation we, we've come about. You know, I think they need to revamp the roster. I think they need to revamp some of the front office and the coaching situation.
0: Well, if he does go uh, at the end of this season, I know there's been a lot of talk about the situation because uh, he's not tied to the offensive coordinator. I guess he's sort of tied to Perry Fuel. What is the name right now? You know, if you had to pick one guy, who is the next guy? It seems like. Either it's going to be, you know, one of these up-and-coming college guys. It doesn't seem like the Giants will go out and get a big-name person. Um, and if it's not Ben McAdoo, who's also been rumored, it seems like he's going to have to at least be a prerequisite to the new coach and that they're going to have to sign off and say, this is going to be my offensive coordinator.
1: Well, here, here's the one one of the possibilities and one of the things that kind of, you know, gives Coach Coughlin uh, one reason he may stay and hang on and continue to be the coach is because their options are very limited. You know, the Giants are a proud organization. They're one of the, the featured teams in the league. Um, you know, and, and they have some proud owners, some good owners who really put the football team ahead of everything. You know, but they're also loyal to their guys and they want to do what's best for the team. And there may not be a, a better option than Coach Coughlin right now. I mean you don't know what any of these college coaches are doing. I know you hear a lot about the Notre Dame coach. Um you know but you don't know what these college coaches they could translate to NFL coaches. Um, you know Jim Harbaugh. You know you're hearing about him in San Francisco, and you know the Jets are possibly an option. Uh, the Raiders are obviously an option. You know who knows? Maybe the Giants will somehow get involved with that. You know, so I have no idea who would. And you hear about these old retired coaches you know, Tower and Gruden. I don't think either one of those guys want to coach again. So, you know, that might be the one reason that Coach Coughlin hangs around because the options are very limited for someone to replace.
0: And if he goes, does Jerry Reese go as well, you think?
1: Um, I look at it like this. He, he's brought in some good players, but do you want Jerry Reese to pick the next coach of the Giants? And I'm not sure, or be part of that, because obviously at the end it's the owner's call. Um, and I'm not sure people want, I'm not sure how confident people are with him making that decision. So I, I think for him, you know, my guess at the, at the end of the day, as a lot of people like to say,
0: um, my guess is he stays within the organization, but but there's another GM in place next season. All right, Monzo. Well, it's always good to talk, and uh, we'll have to talk more certainly as we get closer to the holiday season, the turn of the calendar. Uh, we'll see what the Rangers bring us as they head into the new year. Um, it's good to have you on, and hopefully, you know, the Team Degenerate stuff continues to go your way and you can finish football on a strong note. Oh
1: thank you. And how about uh you didn't talk about my fantasy team winning two divisions in two years.
0: <laughs> I, I can't I don't really want to talk about that league because uh the way I finished it wasn't exactly uh you know anything to be proud of.
1: Yeah you had a good run though. You were you were in the playoff picture most of the year. <laughs> All right Mons, thanks again. We will talk to you later.